Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning everybody, how are you today? You know as a kid when you know you're going to go to a birthday party, you get pretty excited, you're going to be with your friends and it's a positive experience. You think about it beforehand and Thinking about coming here today, there was a sense of excitement, uh, a sense of I'm going to catch up with the family again. Uh, You are family to me in many ways. I've had such an enormous respect for your founding pastors. We go back many years now, over 30 years, and and then to see the generations move forward. And it's an amazing uh, excitement in my heart to see what God is doing. I uh, came up with a statement yesterday with some pastors I was talking to that even beyond denomination, God is building kingdom families uh, where we're families in the kingdom of God, not because of title, not because of position, but being positioned in the purposes of God. And so today I'm really excited to be with you in just a few moments. I'll share a little bit about my own personal journey. I do want to thank you for your prayers and it's been a two-year journey. Uh, Probably the last 12 months has been post-cancer and post-cancer, unfortunately, I picked up a viral infection, what they call a CMV virus, that began to affect organs in my body and and it's affected my eyesight. So I've lost quite a bit of vision in my right eye. I can't see very well out of my right eye and there's a little bit of damage to the left. But most of the time I'm one-eyed about a lot of things and so um, not bad, but uh, not good either. Bad jokes. But um, uh, it's really good to be able to serve God in our new normals. You know, I'm living a new normal today and the purpose of God for my life has not changed. Uh, I'm mentoring churches in America, the UK, around the world and some Sundays you're in five places at the same time. So it's amazing what modern technology can help you do. But despite all that, God's purpose for our lives never changes no matter what the circumstances around us look like. And so uh, in a few moments I'll share that, but I do want to speak into this 30th anniversary as I've been praying for you and thoughts have been coming to me. Uh, Someone said to me the other day, how do you know when God speaks to you? And I said, well, when anything smarter than I can think of comes into my head, it's probably God. So, you know, we'll we'll trust that it's God this morning, but I believe it's more than that. And so congratulations. And my prayer for today is that we all leave this place with great expectation. My prayer for you is that you leave this place with great expectations because God hasn't finished yet and uh, we use terms like the best is yet to come Uh, and maybe I like to use a term like the next is to come because every era has been great in God. This church has great testimony over many, many years and we do want to celebrate that. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness a long time ago. Now, the context of the scripture was that the children of Israel had made a lot of mistakes and that we were to learn from their mistakes so that we wouldn't repeat them. But the principle still applies that looking back is good both to celebrate and to contemplate, to celebrate all that was awesome but also to contemplate and say, where do we go next? Where's the next for us? And I believe there's a next for the next 30 years 
for all of God's church, that is absolutely amazing. I thank God for the last 30 years I've been there and I've seen some incredible things. We're in the car driving up here today and I was talking to Josh and Belinda about my birth and how I was miraculously healed at three months of age where God held, not God, my dad held me up. God held me up, but my dad held me up and said, God, the doctors have said he won't live to one year of age, but if you heal him, you can have him. And God miraculously healed me overnight and the doctors were totally blown away. And so I'm so grateful for the past miracles, the great things that have happened. And yet I believe there's a next in God that this church, and I say it with all my heart, you've been ahead of your time for a long time in what you value. You've been ahead of your time in how you see the purpose of the church. And so in many, time, in many ways, I'm prophesying what you already are. But I want you to take this from the Spirit of God today because it's not just trying to blow smoke uh, because I love these guys and I love this house. I really do want to hear from God. And so as I was even talking to Josh on the phone, a thought came into my mind. And so I've been sort of thinking about that over the last few days. And so I believe this morning God is saying to us, we need to continue in what God is wanting in this next 30 years with the very seeds that God's birthed in this place and they are just going to get stronger and better. You see, looking back is awesome. Looking back over 30 years, sorry guys, got to turn around a bit. This is the better eye, so anyway, uh, you know, looking back, it's been absolutely fantastic. But we can't just look back. We've got to keep looking in. What is the motive of why we want to move forward? To make a name for us or to make the name of Jesus great? And to see broken people change. So we look in for motivation. You know, we look back for celebration. But we look up for revelation. And there's a new and fresh revelation coming to the church so we can look out with expectation. And there's great expectation, I believe, God wants us to have even through this COVID season. And I will share a little bit if I've got time on what I believe prophetically God is saying right now to the church. This should not be a time of fear. This is a time of great excitement for the church because the church is not a place. The church is a people. Ministry is not a role. Ministry is a people. I am ministry. Everywhere I go, I don't stop being the church. I've spent two years outside of the building called the church because I've been in hospital most of my time. A little bit later, I'll share with you what happened while I was in hospital. Why? Because I am the church. You are the church. I am ministry wherever I go. We've had too many years of laity versus clergy. Talking to a pastor. You know how many pastors I am talking to right now that don't want to go back? All around this country and around the world because they don't want burnout. They don't want to go back to be slapped in the head all the time. And they go, I think we like it online. And I'm thinking it's so sad because one pastor rang me this week and he was encouraging people to come back and serve during COVID. And they go, no, no, we're just going to stay home and do church online. Ministry, that's what we pay you to do. That's what we pay you to do. That's what they said to the pastor. And I realised how wrong the Western church has become 
in understanding who the church is, what we're meant to do. The last 30 years, corporately, not this church. In fact, you've, you guys have been great in these areas, but generically across the Western world, the last 30 years, we've been building us. We've been building the Christians or the churchians, building the needs of people that go to church. The next 30 years, we're going to be building them. We're going to be building those outside the four walls of this church, which is an anointing on this house anyway. The last 30 years, we've built the foundations of the church. The next 30, we're going to build the foundations of our community. There's a shift. The Thank God we do have buildings. Thank God we built this beautiful place, or you did. Thank you because we need those walls to keep people protected and, and, and it was meant to be. But there's a moving on from there now where I know churches that have spent $60 million on a building and they need everybody back at church to pay the bills. We don't need everybody back at church to pay the bills. We need everybody back to do his will. And so, you know, there's a shift coming right now where the last 30 years we built the walls of the church, which we needed to do, but now we're going to build bridges to our community. Do you receive that today? I was in prayer for you. I had tears in my eyes because I already know the seed of all this is inside of you. We spent the last 30 years dealing with attenders to church and we're going to spend the next 30 extending the church into the community. The last 30 years, ministry has been done by titled pastors. The next 30 years, all of God's people are going to pastor. Oh, I'm excited. The last 30 years, we've built buildings and places of worship. The next 30 years, we're going to build people of worship, living temples wherever they go. The last 30 years, we built labels. Are you AOG? Are you CRC? Are you COC? Are you CPC? What C are you? And God is destroying denominationalism. And he's building his body, his church, across all the abominations. I mean denominations. <laughs> where his name will be glorified. His truth will be clarified. And our walk with him will be intensified. Because we'll be building the name above all names. The Lord took me to the Tower of Babel. And he said, sometimes our labels can become Babels. Because we build something to our name. To make our name great. You know what happens when you build to your own name? You get really busy. And so what happens is they started building a tower in Genesis 11 and they started to build a city. That's busy. You know how many busy people are in burnout right now? But there's a new day coming where there's a rest and there's a wait and there's a trust where the church becomes more organic than organized. We need to organize the organic but you just can't serve the organized alone. And so this organic church that God is raising up. The last time I was with you, as I pulled up into the driveway, the Lord showed me three pictures, if you remember, a hospital, a community, and an army. And the, the dear brother that was on the screen today was telling me how many, many years ago there was a prophecy that this place would be a hospital for the broken, a community, and an army. The next 30 years, and I was in the office this morning 
And while I was talking to Josh, bang, into my head so strong, came Luke chapter 14, where the guy puts on a party and he invites people to come. And people did make excuses. One had married a wife, which is relationships. Another guy had bought five oxen, which is, which is, you know, one's people, the other one's possessions. And another one, you know, he wanted prosperity with the five ox, uh, the, the, the land, all the land that he had bought, and he had to go and check it all out. And I felt God say to me this morning that there are many churchians in our Western world that will make excuses not to serve the greater purposes of God. But the good news is the party didn't get cancelled. And he says, go to the byways, go to the highways, and go to those that are broken and bring them in. Now listen to me. And then he says, and nobody can be my disciple unless he first sits down and counts the cost. And the Holy Spirit, I want you to judge it this morning. I was in the back room and he said to me, this house is going to go to all the people nobody wants. And then after a while, it'll be everybody that everybody wants because in the byways and the highways, the broken in our society are not just going to come in and get healed, but they're going to become part of an army. And that army is going to raise up generals and leaders and people that are going to preach. You think, where did that come from? They're going to have words of prophetic anointing. You're going to say, where did that come from? They're going to teach. And you think, but they never went to Bible school. How can they teach like that? And to Belinda and John today, I prophesy, uh, John, jo Josh, uh, John. Uh, that's another guy that's coming from the byway. It's called John. But uh, I want to prophesy over all of you, but to you as leaders, that what naturally is happening in your life right now, in your heart for those that nobody's got a heart for or that have been marginalized or whatever, that's going to be an army for you. You're, the army of disciples that are going to flow out of this house are going to be people that, you know, the normal Western church would probably not do, do it that way. They'd set up a Bible school, you come to Bible school, you do your training and all that stuff's good. But I believe God is going to accelerate. There's going to be a moment of acceleration, a time of acceleration. And the next 30 years, we're going to raise up generations. And this is going to be a unique church because you're not going to just have young people while you're going to have hundreds of them you're going to have all generations and all generations working together to be this incredible army because the seed that God put in the Betcher family when they first came here is not changing. That seed has been watered and watered and watered and expanded. And the next 30 years, we come with great expectation. Can we stop and give God thanks for that today? Come on, let's give God thanks for what he's going to do. The party won't be cancelled. Jesus is going to build his church. My home right now is like a, a place where the unchurched just come. Had a guy in my house the other day. He came to my house. My daughter was home. She let him in. And I wasn't home. And he rings me. He goes, where are you? I said, I'm visiting my dad. I'll be probably another half an hour. He goes, well, I'll wait. Now, this guy is not a Christian comes to my house regularly. So when I got home, he was fast asleep in my lounge, head back, snoring. And so we got talking. I've been mentoring him now without him knowing. 
He would say things about the world's falling apart. What's happening with this blankety, blankety, blank world? I said, well, let me read you a scripture. What do you think that means? Taking him to the word, he goes, I didn't know that was in the blankety, blank Bible. And so he's been doing this now for three years. So the other day he comes, he's sitting there, he's got his head in his hands after he woke up. He's got his head in his hands. He's going, you know, the effing problem with this country is they need Jesus. I nearly fell off my chair. They need Jesus. And I started to think of the future church. Might not look like we thought. They might come in broken. The language might not be fixed straight away. But it's not behavior modification we're looking for. It's transformation. And you guys are anointed for that. And this house is anointed for that. That's why I always say yes when I get asked to come. Because you bless me as much as I pray I'll be a blessing to you. So for the next few moments, congratulations, but for the next few moments, I want to cover three areas if we got time. My personal journey over the last two years. Let me make a statement right now. Corporate convincing cannot replace personal conviction. Personal convicting from God cannot be taken over by corporate convincing. If the only God you do is when you come on Sunday and you listen to corporate convincing, maybe someone else next week can convince you online saying something else. There's a problem why some Christians want to do church only online. Major problem with that. And I'll talk about that in a moment. There's a few moments coming by the sound of things. Corporate convincing cannot replace personal convicting. The last two years for me personally have been pretty horrendous in some ways. But really the last four, as many of you know, we lost our son in 2016 as he was killed by a lightning strike at Mount Barker. I wish I could sit here today and say, gee, it feels better now, four years down the track. I still cry. I walk past his photo and I have to lock myself away for a few minutes while I fall apart as the more time goes by, the pain is even stronger. When his son walks into my house, 18 years of age, driving now and looks exactly like his dad. As he opens his mouth, the sound of his voice, exactly like our son's. There's a part of you that's proud that this is his fruit and there's a part of you that feels the pain of the loss. I have another son, Michael, who many of you know, his journey. And without going into that too deeply now, over the last few months, he says, Dad, God has spoken to me that you need to mentor me. Not just as a son, but as a man of God. We've been meeting together weekly, crying together, opening up the word, and I'm mentoring my son. And in my head, I wish the other son was here. I wish I could be mentoring him too. Can you see the contrast we live with of pain and joy? And so let me share with you what's happened to me over the last couple of years as three things have filled my life 
that I may have even mentioned last time I was here when I visited post-cancer, but it's gotten stronger and stronger. Number one, God's peace. That peace that you cannot describe, that when you've got tubes in your arm and you're in hospital and people around you are dying and there's this inner peace that you wish, you're so glad you're nobody else and you're still happy to be you. That's supernatural, a peace that passes all understanding. The sense of his presence where nurses would come into my room in the several hospitals I've been in. I can give you a rundown on all the hospitals if you like. You know, they were all good and they were all bad. You know why? Because it depends on who's on duty. Do you know how people can come to this church and go, it's an amazing church? And some people could leave and go, it was horrible. Depends on how they get treated out in the car park. See, we've all got a part to play. And for people, it can be a good experience or a bad one. And I was in the same hospitals long enough to have all kinds of experiences. And some weren't good. But a lot of them were. Some amazing nurses and doctors that would sit by my bed and say, what is it in this room? What's the aura in this room? Praying with a nurse, praying with a specialist who just lost his mum. And realise that God's peace and God's presence doesn't leave us when we go through tragedy. And when we go through pain, but the third is his purpose. God put me on the planet and he put you on the planet for a purpose. And no matter what we go through in life, his purpose does not have to be thwarted. One of the scriptures out of many that totally changed my life is James chapter 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You've got to be kidding. When life sucketh, and you go through stuff, you're telling me to be joyful? It's a supernatural joy. That it's not about happiness. It's about in all happenings. There's an inner joy you can't describe. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I used to get upset if somebody scratched my car. Take me weeks to get over it. It's funny when you go through cancer, what does it matter? Matter what changes, what, the things that really matter. And I realise my, my endurance has had a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I promise you I'm not exaggerating this morning. In the last two years, I've come to a place where I don't need nothing. I don't need to preach as long as I can reach. I don't need a pulpit, I just need a platform. Because God's purpose for my life can happen in a car park, in a hospital room. So I was supposed to be in New Zealand, preaching at a conference in Christchurch, and I had to cancel it because I'm at St. Andrew's Hospital having viral uh, infusions for viral infection. Three weeks. I get a phone call from the pastor, and he goes, you've got to come. I said, I can't, I'm in hospital. He goes, what are we going to do? We've got 4,000 people booked for Auckland and 1,000 people for Christchurch. I said, I might be able to do Auckland, but I can't do Christchurch because right now I'm in hospital. He rings me the next day and goes, could you preach a sermon at the hospital? And will you record it and send it to us? I said, what, in my pyjamas? 
So Sharon had to bring me some clothes, at least for the top half. (laughs) And they give me the chapel at St. Andrew's Hospital and a cameraman from Edge Church. I go into the chapel. There's nobody in there. And I start to preach to an empty room and a cameraman and the anointing hits the room. I start crying. The cameraman's crying. I'm prophesying down the camera. Some of you watching me right now in New Zealand, God is saying this, and I'm there, pyjama bottom, on the stool, just filmed the top half for 35, 40 minutes in the presence of God. The cameraman said to me, what happened there? The Holy Spirit said to me, this is the beginning of things to come. Get used to it. I went up to my room and the doctors are going, how'd you go? And then two or three days later, the Christchurch massacre happens. Pastor rings me up and he goes, I watched your video. It's amazing prophetic word, but we've had to cancel everything. Do you know the will of God doesn't always go A, B, C, D, E? Sometimes it's A, Z, L, O. What on earth happened there? I thought I had a word from God. I thought I I had this prophetic word and now the whole thing has been cancelled because of the massacre. And I just said to God, I'm just going to have to trust you because that doesn't make sense. I really felt I had a word. A month later, I get a phone call from the pastor who put on the conference, Pastor Tark Barner, you may know him. And he goes, Danny, we're going back to Christchurch. And now that we're allowed to gather again, and we're gathering with all the pastors in that region and we're starting the conference with your video. While I was showing the video, I'm getting text messages from pastors in New Zealand going, that was a prophetic word, that before the massacre, it wouldn't have had the impact than after the massacre and all the stuff that had gone wrong because I was preaching on when storms and earthquakes Come and shake the city. This is after the massacre. How good is God? He knows. I was in hospital just an extra week or two after that and then I get out of hospital and my wife says to me, you can't do this. I jump on a plane and go to Zurich while I'm still on medical treatment. Because the Holy Spirit had said to me, you've got to go, you've got to go, you've got to go. The year before, I cancelled a pastor's conference in Zurich with over 4,000 leaders because I was diagnosed with cancer. They said, we will wait and you can come next year. I'm now in hospital having viral infection treatment and I feel I've got to go. My wife had already arranged to come and get me. I ended up in a clinic when I arrived in Zurich because of the the sickness I was carrying, but I knew I had to go. I arrive in Zurich. I I get picked up at the airport and the leaders that were picking me up, you go, you're not going to believe it, Pastor Danny. The worship leader who was about to lead worship for this conference has just died. 35 years of age. And we are in a mess because we got a conference on, but we don't feel like we want a conference. Can you speak to us about grief and pain? Because you lost your son, you know what that's like. What timing of God to be in Zurich for four days and then come home. 
and to speak to all these people about their grief and their pain. I got home to Adelaide and a pastor rang me from Sydney and said, why didn't God heal you? Why did you get up there and speak in a sick situation? At least he could have healed you. And I didn't know what to say. My Bible reading the next day after talking to this pastor was Galatians chapter 4. And and, and Paul is talking to the Galatians. He goes, I'm glad you didn't reject me when I came and brought you the good news and I was sick. Good news, sick. I thought sick is bad news. He brought the good news. Because ladies and gentlemen, this morning, our gospel starts with eternity. The gospel starts with eternal life not just temporal life. Jesus died to give us eternal life. And until we settle eternity down on this earth, we will be disappointed with God. It won't always happen the way we think. It won't always be A, B, C, D. But when I settled eternity in my heart, when my son died and I went to the New Testament and found that every time the gospel was preached, it was preached with eternal hope. That even though you suffer on earth and even though you go through a time on a fallen planet where things don't go the way we think, we have this eternal hope. And I turned to the devil in a way and I said, I want you to know I live for eternity. I live from eternity. I'm not scared of death. So do what may come, but I'm going to live every day as if I'm going to live forever. I'm going to serve God every day as if I'm going to serve forever and I'm going to deal with the death issue and I'm going to live for God. And I tell you, that thing lifted off my life and no matter how sick I feel some days, I live with peace. I live with his presence and I live with his purpose and I want to tell you, I wouldn't have it any other way. How awesome is our God? No matter what, I have need of nothing. I have need of nothing, and that's a reality. I learned about me that I can handle more pain than I thought. If you told me beforehand it would be blood transfusion after blood transfusion, I still have infusions every month where the biggest thing is they can't find a good vein to get a needle in. And they're pricking away all over the place every month at the Tennyson Cancer Centre, surrounded by people with cancer. It's not a pretty picture. There's a lot worse than me out there. But I want to tell you, no matter what, I am the church. When I'm in that Tennyson Centre, I am the church. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, when we realise that ministry is not a platform, the whole world can change. So I was preaching at the Italian church, Life Church in the city, a few weeks ago. It was an empty building. It was actually just before COVID, so it's more than a few weeks. A few months ago, time flies. It was the last time, I think, that people gathered. And I'm talking about when I was working at a menswear store and the call of God came and pastors came and saw me and said, you're not going to be working here forever. You're going to be serving God. There's a call on your life. And they said, but you need to get a word from God to serve God in Christian leadership. Every Christian serves God. I was just purposed to be in Christian leadership. I remember getting on the bus and as I got on the bus, The bus tickets used to have sayings on the back. And on the back of the bus ticket, it said, whatever's around the corner, God's already there. Written on the back of the bus ticket. Now, a few weeks ago, I'm in the Italian church preaching about how God, through that bus ticket and a whole lot of other events, repositioned my life. A few days later, I get a text message. 
from the guy who was the best man at our wedding. He was in the service. He said, I need your address. So, because he hadn't been to our home, I get this book in the mail about five days later. Talking tickets. It's the book of all the bus tickets, sayings, on the back of bus tickets that a man who was a millionaire in Adelaide was given a mission from God to spend his money and for 40 years he wrote sayings to go back, to go on the back of bus and tram tickets. Never preached from a platform but wrote the talking tickets. The Scripture Union have put the book together called Talking Tickets. Right there is the one that I got. Whatever awaits you around the corner, God is already there. This book is testimonies of people on their way to commit suicide. People about to catch a bus on North Terrace to go down to Glenelg and drown themselves. And then they got on the bus and got a ticket. And this book is full of the sayings on the back of tickets. And the testimonies, I was on the way to take my life. I read was on the back of the ticket and I decided to change my mind. And my life was changed forever. Wow. I've got it here. My mind goes back to that night on the bus. This man, you've never heard of him? Someone came to my house three days ago, burst into tears. He said, Pastor Danny, people will remember you because you built Edge Church. People will remember you because you ran Youth Alive. People will remember you, but God will remember you for those one-on-one connections with broken people that nobody sees. The people that come to your home and stay till three in the morning whose lives are broken and you speak into their lives. That's how heaven records it. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I'm not trying to blow smoke or, or say, look at me because it's about look at us through Jesus of how we can have God's peace. We can know his presence. We can know his purpose, no matter what comes our way. And I realised that I could handle more pain than I thought. I realised I valued afresh the things that mattered. I grew in empathy, not just compassion, towards other broken people. When I watch children with cancer on TV, I fall apart. When I hear of people with cancer in my community, I'm on their doorstep. I know how it feels. And I believe I've gone from a place of compassion as a pastor to a place of incredible empathy. This church has got seeds of that all over it, right from its leadership forward. Don't underestimate the power of that because I want to promise you today, big, large churches are not the future. I'm prophesying right now. There may be some large apostolic centers But churches are going to get smaller, not bigger, in the sense of its effect. And I believe God's about to bring the church back to its community, not just to be out there in the suburbs and people have to drive three hours to get there because they love the music or they like the lights. It's going way beyond that. And God is bringing organic Christianity together. And I am so excited. I am so excited. I'm living with expectation. My faith has been activated through trust. Ladies and gentlemen, I I said to God the other day, I know you can heal me. I'd love you to heal me. But if not, 
I trust you. I trust you what happens in my life. Because I can't go back on the connections God's given me through my pain. I, I'm thinking, God, that could have never happened if I hadn't have gone through what I went through. If you can take God everywhere and in everything, nothing can come against us. Oh, I'm not coming back to church to, anymore because I got prayed for and I didn't get healed. Last time I checked, you're going to die. We're all going to die because we live on a cursed planet. Oh, but I'm not under the curse, Pastor Danny, because I'm a Christian. Well, then stop aging. The planet's cursed, not our spirit. Our spirit is born again, and we live on a cursed planet where we age and we die because what is in the atonement isn't just for down here on earth. There's bits of it that are, but I want to tell you, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and I thank God I'll see my son again, and I thank God that there's an eternity. I came to the real meaning of favour. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. His shack, my shack and a bungalow, we used to say when I was at school. They're in the palace of favour and in the furnace of fire. Same anointing. They didn't bow when they were in the palace of influence and they didn't bow when they were in the furnace of affliction because God's favour is not that everything goes right in your life. God's favour is that he's with you whatever you go through in your life. That's the favour of God. He's with me in every season. I didn't come to Jesus because what he does. I came to Jesus because what he did. We sang about it this morning. If he never answers another prayer, did he die for me? Did he rise from the dead for me? So that's enough for me to follow him, no matter what else doesn't happen. Let me move. Can I, can I take five more minutes? Is Sure. Okay, so that, I've gone quickly over my personal journey. Just to say this, the older I get, the happier I am not to have all the answers. We sang that this morning in the first chorus. I just got to have the right ones. People say, why is this happening? Is COVID brought on by the devil? Is COVID God judging the earth because of gay marriage? That's what someone said to me the other day. You know, at 64 years of age, I go, I haven't got a clue. I don't know. But can I tell you what I do know? This is what I do know. And the older you get, you only need three or four do-knows. I know Jesus died. I know he rose from the dead. I know he put me on the planet for a purpose. And I'm going to live out that purpose to my last breath. And there's a whole lot of things around that that I know. But why my son died at 39 and not 89, I'll never know. But I trust God. I could come up with some thoughts on why maybe, but it doesn't matter. And to live with the peace of even saying to non-Christians, I don't know. We don't have to come up with answers for everybody. But can I tell you what I do know? And what I do know helps me stand when I don't understand. What a great place to be. To be honest. To say to non-Christians, I don't have the answer to that is refreshing. Because we come up with super spiro language, sometimes that doesn't make sense. So that was a bit of my personal journey and it's been a bit rushed through because normally I would just do that for a message. But I do want to leave a couple more things with you. And that was all under point one. Because I had to do all that other stuff at the beginning. But just our present response to our current pandemic. Can I say this today? I've been disappointed with some church hymns. 
You know, when we're not allowed to be in church, we're still the church. Not being in church should be a great opportunity for the church. I've watched pastors constantly telling their people, don't worry, don't panic, don't worry, don't panic. I thought we had the Holy Ghost inside of us. If we've got the Holy Spirit, wherever we go, he goes. And I haven't been hardly in church for two years, but I'm more alive than I've ever been. Why? Because I realize I am the church. And so when we can't gather, we need to deal with our scatter. And this is what I want to leave with you very quickly. In Acts chapter 3, the miracle happened outside the church. In Acts chapter 8, everywhere they went, the miracles happened after persecution. In the book of Revelation, a man called John, he writes to seven churches. He's not in church. He's on an island with mad people. He's in exile and he goes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The greatest proof that the Holy Spirit is in us is how we behave in the scatter, not just in the gather. And the Holy Spirit has been giving me clarity, which I can't cover today in full. It's literally days and days and days and days of revelation on the future church where we're meant to gather and scatter. The early church gathered and the early church scattered. What we've got to be careful is that we don't do bus tours to the upper room. They gathered in the book of Acts in the upper room to receive the Holy Spirit. They didn't start bus tours every month and do T-shirts on the upper room because what they received in the upper room, they had to take out and go out of the upper room into the community. Pentecostal churches are safer in gather than they are in scatter. And God's about to change that. He's going to enlarge the gather as far as the power of the gather and he's going to release the scatter. And so the gather is the equipping time. The scatter is ministry time. And I believe we're going to see an amazing change in the church, in the gather and scatter. Now, time's moving. So uh, this is being recorded. But God showed me, I believe. You need to judge it this morning. There's going to be four responses post-COVID. Church leavers, church cleavers, Christ followers, and Christ seekers. Notice the first two were church. The second two were Christ. And I believe God has been showing me very clearly, and I've been sharing it around the world, that post-COVID, some people are going to say, I don't need to go to church. Do you know how many pastors are ringing me now saying they can't get people back to church to serve? That's because they serve the church. They should have been serving Jesus. Because when you serve Jesus, there's no use-by date on that. And so, you know, what's happening is pastors are getting leaders that don't want to come back. They want to do church online. Now, the Holy Spirit, I believe, has showed me seven areas of deception, which I haven't got time to talk about. I'll mention them just quickly. Seven false teachers in the New Testament that in the last days, we're going to see the heretic, we're going to see the charlatans, we're going to see the false prophets, we're going to see the abusers, the dividers, and the speculators, and the ticklers. Maybe some other time we could really open that up. And so if you're doing church online and there's no accountability, there's no proper covering, and you're listening to Stephen Furtick one Sunday, you're listening to T.D. Jakes the next, which are good people, but I also know of people overseas that are doing Zooms, and not Zooms, stuff online, 
who are living their lives, and soon it will be exposed, so contrary to the word that if our local pastors behaved like they did, we would walk out on them. But because we're listening to them online, we think they're amazing. And God doesn't want church leavers that can only do church online would have to throw most of the New Testament away because we're meant to be in relationships of accountability. We need to have the word of God taught to us properly so that the deceivers are recognized. And I know I'm speeding through this today because we are running out of time. But let me tell you, church leavers and church cleavers, the cleavers are the people that want the programs of the church. I need the church. Research has just taken place in the last month with 40,000 people in America. Those that only hear the Bible in church on Sunday, their lives don't change at all. Those that hear it twice a week don't change at all. Those that read the Bible three times a week get a little bit of a shift. But the minute people read their Bible personally four times a week, alcoholism goes down 57%. Pornography goes down 61%. Witnessing goes up 200%. People being discipled go up 230%. John Bevere just did this just recently with the head of Bible studies in America and they interviewed 40,000 people. And I want to tell you, it's getting personal. If you're a church cleaver, you want the church to do your faith for you and you just turn up and get fed. Church leavers and church cleavers are always takers. Christ followers. And the Lord said to me, there's a new army of disciples rising up where discipleship won't start from the speaker, it will start from the seeker. Teach us, what must we do? Acts chapter 2. And I believe there's a hunger coming. And there's people going, we hate the religious jargon. We hate the stuff that doesn't work. But we want to be Christ followers. And then there's going to be Christ seekers. And they are non-Christians. Somebody said to me, our church is in revival. We've gone from 200 to 700. I said, no, you're in reshuffle. Because all the people are coming from other churches they're not happy with. But I want to tell you, thank you guys. I get the hint. Yeah. And so, no. <laughs> church leavers. Church cleavers are takers in life, but Christ followers and Christ seekers are givers in life. For God so loved the world, He gave. For we so love the Lord, we give. I don't do what I do because I'm helping out the church. I do what I do because I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, there'll never be a of retiring. And so when we come together on Sunday, we gather to worship Him corporately like we did this morning. We get the teaching of God's word so we don't fall into deception. And then we do life together around food because we're doing fellowship. But then pastoral care needs being met. The broken, that should happen in our scatter. We pay people to do what should happen through the life of every believer in our scatter. And in the next 10 years, I prophesy this morning, we're going to see people equipped to do the ministry. And we won't just have stories like this, but we'll have thousands of stories like this as people become living ministers out in the community without a title, but carrying an anointing to transform communities. Great expectations. Father, this morning, uh, we've rushed through this, but Lord, I pray the seed will go into people's hearts that our greatest days are ahead of us. And that, Lord, it's not just going to happen on Sunday. Oh, Father, we don't want Pentecost Sunday without Pentecost Monday. Pentecost Tuesday, Pentecost Wednesday. And, Father, as I hand over the meeting right now, I shared my own story. And I believe there are people here this morning that feel like their life is falling apart. 
I pray in Jesus' name that you will bring your peace right now. That you will bring your presence right now. And that you will stamp purpose on the hearts of those that are going through tough times. Father, as your church, we don't want to be church leavers or church cleavers. We want to be Christ followers and Christ seekers and build your church wherever we are. And thank you for the gather that we can come and corporately worship you. That should never change. Thank you for the gather with your word teaches us your truth. And thank you for the friendships we can share around food and fellowship. But Father, I pray that something will happen in our scatter where organically we'll see the kingdom of God rise. And the testimonies flowing out of this house will be by the thousands. The next 30 years, God, we build on the shoulders of what's gone before us and see the church stand taller than ever. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.